Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. You know, a report by the Family Research Council shows a dramatic increase in the number of attacks on churches nationwide. Uh, between January and March of this year, there were 69 acts of hostility against churches. That's three times the amount for the same period a year ago. And, of course, there's been some well-documented um information about the attacks on Catholic churches too in the last in the last few years. Um, so what's happening? Well, you can blame the Biden administration because attacks on Christianity have actually increased under Joe Biden's leadership. And you could also, though, take a much longer look at the history of Christianity to see that it has always attracted animosity against its tenets. The first three centuries of Christianity produced thousands of martyrs who suffered brutal torture. I mean, beheadings, being burned alive, you know, the list is just incomprehensible almost. All because of the refusal to worship an imperial cult or the little g-gods of an empire um, instead of worshiping Jesus Christ. In the 4th century, the Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity and persecutions decreased, but they never really were eliminated. Today, Christianity is still the most persecuted religion in the world. Two-thirds of the world's 2.3 billion Christians live in danger. And they're not all in third world countries. They're not all in Muslim majority countries. Some of it's right here in America. 2,000 years of Jesus teaching to love your neighbor as yourself and his stated authority saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life has not mitigated the animus towards him or his church. It's just morphed into different forms. So if you want to know a history of Christian martyrdom, there's an updated book out now. It's called The New Book of Christian Martyrs, The Heroes of Our Faith from the 1st Century to the 21st Century. Um, Its authors are um, Reverend Johnny Moore and Jerry Pattengale. And Reverend Moore joins me now because uh, we, we all know you, Johnny, because you have you were on uh, an advisory committee uh, to a president of Evangelical Advisory Committee, but you have um, been so much a part of the faith, I guess, uh, officials of the faith culture in the last few years. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, my, my public life, if you want to call it that, um, all began with a concern for persecuted Christians, you know, around, around the world. In so many ways, this book is like uh, um, the the on, only reason why anyone anyone knows my my name uh, mm-hmm. is, is because a, a few years ago, I mean, God God changed my life by by some personal encounters with persecuted Christians, and uh, and I, I just decided I needed to tell their stories. And, and I'm so glad you did. I mean, one of the books you we wrote was about the Nigerian Christians who were being persecuted as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, pe- people, I, I don't, I don't think realize that at the height of ISIS in, in 2014, 2015, more Christians were killed in a few states in Nigeria by by Islamist terrorists than ISIS killed in their entire horrid reign, you know, in, in Iraq and Syria. So I, re- I wrote a book called The Next Jihad about that. Before that, I, I wrote a book called Defying ISIS um, that that chronicled the accounts of Christians uh, and, and Yazidis and others. Uh, who had who had been victimized by ISIS? I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people maybe realize, Lauren, that that we are living at one of the most intense periods of Christian persecution in the two thousand year history since 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 Jesus's 
um, death, burial, and, and resurrection. This this is a uh, a time of heightened persecution in our in our modern enlightened age. Uh, it, it actually hasn't gotten better. Uh, it's, right. it's gotten worse. And I want to talk about that before we get to the book, because it's very important, because one of the things I want to talk about is that there is a dark spirit in this world. And it's gotten even darker in the 20th and 21st century. You know, um, one of the problems with the persecution, a lot of, one of the problems with Christianity, the sort of lukewarm Christianity, is that it... It, it pleases the spiritual forces of darkness, the sort of lukewarmness. But what we've got happening, I think, now in the 21st century is that more people are coming to faith, but an intense faith in Jesus Christ. They understand the tenets of the faith even more, which I, this is really why I think we're seeing this increased persecution of Christians. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, I often say that there, there are many Christians around the world that are willing to die for a faith that many Christians in the United States or in the West are barely willing to live for. And, and actually in Christian history, that's, that's the more normative experience where when people came to faith, they knew that it was going to cost them something. And in many, many parts of the world today, you know, if you get baptized, uh, you, you, you know, it, it will, will probably mean the, the end of your life as you know it. It could be the end of your career, the end of your family's livelihood. It could be, marginalization of various types it could even lead to your lead to your death and i i think you know christians in the west and 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 places that do have religious freedom as imperfect as ours ours is um it, it has a way of causing you to look again at your own faith and to ask yourself yeah. if it's the same bible the same jesus the same everything else like like why are we so lukewarm and why are they they so so committed and so we actually are having simultaneously intense persecution and a, a type of global Christian revival um, that we don't always see here in the United States, but it's very apparent when you leave our country. Yeah, you know, the beginning of Christianity, we understand the martyrdom there because it was so different from anything around it. One of the reasons, and you know this, I and mean, one of the reasons why Christians were persecuted in in Rome is because they refused to acknowledge the gods. I mean, at the beginning of Christianity, Christians were actually called atheists because they didn't worship the gods. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. And in fact, uh, in order to sort of be accepted in Roman society, you, you had to, in effect, believe in this state ideology, almost like a state state religion, you know, and what, one of the early uh, most powerful accounts of martyrdom uh, in, in Christian history is the story of a of, of a woman uh, who died in her 20s. She was killed in an arena. And you have this incredibly um, heart wrenching account because her she was a noble woman. Her father was a nobleman mm. and he's pleading with her in public. Please, like, just reject this Jesus. And and pledge your allegiance to the to the empire. Reject, change your beliefs. Pledge allegiance to the empire. Begging his 20, 20 something daughter, you know, to 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 wow. not do this foolish thing. And she she looked at her father, a nobleman whose status in society, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. was tied entirely to this belief in the state ideology and state religion. She said, I, "I I can't. I just can't do it. I believe in Jesus." And, and she, this powerful young woman, became an inspiration for generations of Christians. And we know her story, but there are thousands of stories like hers that we, we don't know. But it was in defiance of the state ideology. That is, this is not any different today, actually. I mean, this is the, the basis by which Christians are persecuted today. And the legal 
in, in the legal arena. I mean, we've got counts, countless cases of, you know, people being being, you know, persecuted for their faith. Um, yeah. Legally, I mean, this is this is the same kind of thing. Like I said, lukewarm Christianity is what the spiritual forces of darkness like because you'll bend to any kind of philosophy. But when you actually that, stand straight, that's when you get attacked. That that's exactly exactly right, and that that's kind of what everyone wants. They they want you to, oh yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, you know, I you know, I'm a cultural Christian. I, you know, but, but they, but they don't want the Christianity of the Bible on its, on its face. And, you know, I, I always say like, I, you know, I, I don't want to draw a parallel between people getting beheaded and, and, you know, in, in the Middle East and, right. you know, between marginalization uh, or, you know, various forms of persecution in the United States. However, there's this really startling similarity, which is that the fundamental premise is the same. Yes. If there, if it's a Coptic Christian at the hands of an ISIS terrorist on a beach in Libya, the question is, will you change your belief? The statement is, change your belief or else. And in the United States and in many Western countries where religious freedom is enshrined constitutionally in the founding you know, part of, of these countries, particularly here in the United States, it should really startle us that the ultimatum is the same. Change your beliefs or else. And I'll tell you, Lauren, if you sit down and you talk to, to persecuted Christians and when they're minorities and communist countries or in countries with rampant Islamism, mm -hmm. they will they will tell you that they, they will say it didn't start this way here. It began with marginalization, being treated like a second class citizen or kids being treated differently in school, ideology being forced down on our our communities. And so you know, we 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 ought to be awake to what's happening around us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give us some examples of the Christian martyrdom in the first three centuries, um, the kinds of things that Christians, the unnamed thousands of Christians had to suffer. What kind of things were they suffering from? Well, I, I, the, the, the level of brutality um, in the in the Roman Empire, it, you know, is, is, is well known. But what isn't well known because it isn't taught in our schools, it's not on, you know, television series about about the Roman era, is that the worst tortures, the the, the most grotesque imaginations of the of the Romans were reserved for uh, for these for these Christians. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the earliest accounts that we have outside of the Bible, of course, all the disciples, except for one, that Jesus died, died as martyrs and Peter was crucified, you know, up, upside down. You know, Paul was, Paul was beheaded. Thomas was, you know, uh, stabbed to get with spears in the South of India. Um, it's just story. And then some of them, we don't know quite know where they died, but we, we know how they were, how they were killed. Uh, but but one of the stories that really captivated the minds of about a hundred years of Christians was a story of uh, of a guy named Polycarp. Um, you know, po Polycarp was mm -hmm. eighty six years old. This elderly elderly man uh, when they when they when they killed him at first they they called for the beasts to eat him eat him alive and then they decided they were going to burn him and and the legend goes um, which which christians have believed for centuries that when they tried to set him on fire this like fire formed like a a vault around him and the flames didn't touch him and wow. so then they then they killed him with a dagger is is what they said um but right before he died this 86 year old man 
uh, and an eyewitness account that we have from all those centuries says for 86 years, I have been Jesus's servant and he's done me no, no harm. So how can I blaspheme the one who saved me? And when they asked him, change your beliefs or else, he said he couldn't. And, and he, and he died, but his story inspired centuries and centuries of Christians. You know, and, and by the way, the stories are, are fascinating too, because we know that Polycarp, um, his mentor was St. Ignatius of Antioch. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And we actually have a letter from, from, from Ignatius to Polycarp when Polycarp was in his 40s. And Ignatius writes the letter to Polycarp as Ignatius himself is being taken off to Rome uh, to, be, to be killed. Uh, and in that letter, he tells Polycarp as a 40-something-year-old, to stand firm in his faith, to to stay committed, to recognize the power of God, to serve God for his entire life. And then um, 40 years later, Polycarp is finding himself facing the same fate as 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 Ignatius. And these were not unusual stories for the first several centuries of Christianity. In fact, you were the lucky ones. Uh, If you weren't killed by beast or burned alive or in boiling pots of oil or filleted, you know, in front of all those you love. Oh, my God. And then they were actually human torches. Um, You know, they were actually, you know, uh, there are stories of being human torches or some, uh, you know, like holes drilled in your head and poured in like molten something. I mean, there was there's just no end to the, 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 the the horror that you could think of to against Christians, you know? You know, the, the same emperor that killed the the Apostle Paul, Nero, you know, he, he um, we're, we're basically certain of this, he used Christians as, uh, as torches to light parties he held in his garden. I mean, this, this is how evil, you know, all, all, of, all of this was. It also shows how miraculous uh, Christianity was because despite the full power of Rome, you know, the most powerful empire in, in human history to that point, they could smash any enemy in a split second yeah. and Christianity emerged at the height of their power. And yet, you know, these Christians who loved their neighbors as themselves, who forgave their enemies, who tried to kill them, who did all of these, uh, all of these incredibly merciful things had a faith so strong that eventually the Roman empire itself became Christian. I want to get to some of the modern day um, martyrs, uh, because you bring out someone in the 21st century. Um, but I, I want to bring out China. We talked about Nigeria, but China in particularly is interesting because it's such a menace now. And one of the things that um, you, you have noted and anybody who follows um, religious news and religious freedom know is that knows is that Christianity has been growing by leaps and bounds in China. And the communist government in China is now... S- running scared because of that. What's happening in China? You know, the, the, the Communist Party in China doesn't want you to know this, uh, but, but for sure, there are more Christians in China, underground Christians largely, mm-hmm. than there are members of the Communist Party. Wow. And pe- people often think that the, the primary persecutor of, of Christians around the world, because of these terrible stories we hear about ISIS and such, are Islamist terrorists, but actually the primary persecutor of Christians around the world for the last century and to, to today 
are communist. And the, the reason why Christians are a threat to communism is because, you know, Christ, Christians believe in a higher power, higher than the state. Yes. And, and any anything like that threatens threatens the whole system. And so the, the Communist Party has tried again and again and again to crush to crush Christians in, in the country. And yet every time they do, the church, the church just keeps growing. But China is a particular menace because the Communist Party is is willing to deploy uh, advanced technologies that we have never been imagined in human history to literally hunt down every every last Christian uh, in in the country. But I, I happen to believe um, that that uh, you know I, I'm not sure I'll, I'll be alive to see it, uh, but but maybe I will. That you know, in in a generation, the Communist Party uh, will will uh, not be the Communist Party that we know today. I don't think it'll exist at all. But what will happen is the Chinese church will probably be the strongest, largest church in the entire world. Because, you know, as one, as one um, theologian once said in a, a, a time, you know, five or six centuries ago, he said the church is an anvil, which has worn out many a hammer. Uh, and that's definitely mm. what's happening in China. And yet, you know, when, again, when ISIS was at its height uh, and they were killing all these churches and Christians uh, in, in, in Iraq and Syria, in one state in China, the government and authorities in, in 2014 removed over 2,000 crosses from churches. They're having a full-on relapse to the Cultural Revolution. She hates Christianity, wow. and he is determined to do everything in his power to destroy it. Uh, and I, I think he'll eventually learn the same lessons of history of, of people like him before. Wow. So you predict the conversion of China to Christianity. I, 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 not only, I not only predict the conversion of China to Christianity, it's much further along than people realize that the Chinese want to admit. And they're uh, and they're underestimating it. How many how many Christians do you believe are in China right now? Underground and even the ones that they co-opt, you know, to try to be under the communist rule it, it, at least at least at least 125 million it probably could be as high as 150 175 million we don't know and actually i think there's some very powerful people that are secret christians yeah yeah uh, we're going to take a break right now on lighthouse faith podcast we'll be back with dr um well the reverend um johnny moore talking about the book of christian martyrs we'll be right back this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash lighthouse today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help help.com slash lighthouse betterhelp.com slash lighthouse and we're back with uh, reverend johnny moore talking about his book the new book of christian martyrs uh, uh, johnny why did you write this book why did you update this book because this is from the fox book of martyrs right 
Yeah, I, I did it. I did it for a couple of reasons. The the, the first reason is uh, I I thought that modern Christians in the West were losing touch with their with their history, and and in my own faith, you know, growing up in a Christian culture in the Deep South in the United States, I, I had a uh, a certain um, a certain cynicism that I was noticing in my own life. You know, as a as a as a, as a teenage Christian mm-hmm. college. And, and I started traveling overseas and, and helping people. And I, and I started meeting persecuted Christians and I saw it like help me find my own faith. I, I, I very often said, like, I, I don't think I would be a Christian at all had I not encountered the persecuted church because I, I just, it was like a revival, you know, let's talk about the Asbury revival and, yes. the, and the great awakenings in, in history and the Jesus revolution right now, all of these things that are happening in our, in our, uh, in history and in our, in our modern era. But, but I actually think any encounter with a persecuted Christian, either directly or through a story, is like it produces a revival in your own heart. And so, I, over seven years ago, I, I I started working on this with my my co-author, a, a renowned historian Jerry Pattengill, because I I felt like we needed to tell these stories again. And in fact, in early American history, Lauren, this book Fox's Book of Martyrs, it, mm-hmm. in many American homes, if if you had any book at all, you probably had. Uh, the Bible, and you had you had Fox's book of Book of Martyrs, the Bible to tell you what to believe, Fox's Book of Martyrs to tell you what it could cost. But the, the the challenge with Fox's Book of Martyrs is that it's it's really historically it's a very very important Protestant text, and in many ways it's an anti-Catholic Protestant text. Mm. And so what we did uh, with the new Book of Christian Martyrs is we we. Uh, retold many of the stories from Fox's Book of Martyrs. We preserved its authentic character, but we ecumenized it and we integrated into it stories of Catholic martyrs and of Orthodox martyrs, uh, because as you know, Pope Francis um, f- famously said a few years ago, there there is an ecumenism of blood. You know, when the, when the terrorists come to kill the Christians, right? Uh, they, they, they don't they don't they ask don't know if you're if you're if you're Catholic or Protestant. Protestant. They just know you're Christian. Yeah, they look for the cross. Yeah. The the Christian church is a persecuted church, and it seems to grow not despite its persecution, but almost because of it. Is that is that what we understand? I mean, which is very dismaying to a lot of modern people. Yeah, you know, and this has always been the case. I mean, the church father, Tertullian, said that, that the blood of the martyrs is a seed of, of, of the church. And and it's, def- it's definitely the case. I mean, you see in our modern era and you see through every Christian era, you know, for, for 2000 years, that these testimonies of belief, they end up uh, amplifying the, 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 the story, the story of Jesus. And so people have heard about Jesus, but they feel like they see the testimony of Jesus in these in these martyrs. You know, there's a, a famous moment a couple of years ago. It's not even in the book. You know, we only had 600 pages. And so there's <laughs> a lot of stuff that's not in the book. But but um, uh, there was a, a terrorist attack on a on a on a, 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 a Coptic church in Egypt. And right. uh, a security guard died uh, in that. And that night on television in Egypt, a, a, a country of 100 million people, uh, majority, vast majority Muslims, um, a, a interviewers interviewing the widow that night of the Christian security guard that was mm-hmm. killed by the terrorists. And, and she on television in this Arab country in Arabic across the whole Middle East, it, within hours of her husband dying, is, is saying that she, she has... Um, she is coping with this because she's she's chosen to forgive the person that killed her husband because Jesus forgave wow. forgave her and she basically preaches the gospel on television and this and this this television host who isn't a Christian at all 
he's like emotionally taken back by this on live television. Wow. And he says at the end of the interview, he says, Egyptian Christians are like steel. They live in this world, but wow. they're from another place. And, and that has been the story throughout history when God forbid, you know, and, and by the way, I should say, you know, the subtitle of this book is Heroes of Christianity from the first century to the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. These heroes are not super Christians. They're regular everyday Christians whose path led them to sacrifice. And almost every time that sacrifice has been a megaphone just to make the message of Jesus louder and more people believe again and again and again. Well, I want to get to some of those modern day heroes because I want the two that I'm bringing out, Rachel Scott and Cassie um, Bernal, um, This these are very sad stories. And people who know or recognize these names will also recognize the name Columbine um, mm. in Colorado. Rachel Scott, 17 years old. Tell her story. Yeah, you know, this is, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll soon be, be 40 years old. Uh, I was in high school uh, when, when, when Columbine happened. And I, I remember um, that being such a formative experience of, of, of my life. And I think of the life of lots and lots of, of people my age. And yet out of this tragedy emerged these, these stories of, of, of these young Christian women who, when they, when they faced this question about whether, you know, they would, they would, uh, whether they believed in Jesus or not, mm-hmm. they answered it the right way and it cost them their lives. That's in the United States of America. And there right. was a whole generation of young Christians, me among them, that were inspired to, 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 to live my faith differently because of the testimony of of Rachel and Cassie. And I, I remember after all of that, I, I started showing up at my high school about 10 minutes before the bell rang every day. And I would go pray outside at the corner of the high school for my for my school. And I started showing up at CU at DePaul. And one, one year I was the only kid that showed up. And the next year, more kids, more kids showed up. And I that was the story of martyrdom in the United States of America. You know, and, and and by the way, you know, we we made an editorial decision when we were writing these books that you know that every martyr in Christian history doesn't face a, a change your beliefs or else question. There are many martyrs in Christian history that are killed because of their Christianity. You right. know, and if I if I were writing the book again, you know, I would I would write in the book the story of what happened in Tennessee just a couple of weeks ago. Those yes. six people, that little girl. You know, the two little girls, they are modern martyrs of the Christian church because their Christian faith put them in that situation and they were clearly targeted because of it. And then Cassie, well, the the case with Cassie Bernal is very sad because she had kind of been this sort of rebel and really almost spiritually kind of facing a darkness in her life. And her life turned around through um, the intercession of her mother, who Brought, took, took her out of public school because that was one of the issues. Um, she met a friend who was a follower of Jesus, and she invited her to her her, her her Bible group and turned her life around. Then she decided that, you know what, I'm on fire for Jesus, and I can do more if I go back to a public school. And the public school she went back to was Columbine, a year and a half before 
Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris went on a rampage and killed um, 13 kids and uh, others in the school. And she was one of them. These are stories that you can't you can't anticipate. And this is what Jesus talks about is that you never know when you're going to be faced with that kind of anger and opposition to his church. You know? Yeah, and, and and I think that story is is emblematic of another of another scripture. And there's so many of these of these stories in our in, in Christian history that what the enemy meant for evil. God used for 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 good, yes. and, I, and I'll tell you in my in my high school experience. I mean, I, you know, I went to many many events with my church where there were thousands of people gathered together at churches, and the story, Cassie's story, was a story that was being told, or Rachel's story was the story that was being being told that inspired a generation of people to count the cost of their count the cost of their faith, and and the fact the fact of the matter is, if it's the same Bible, it's the same Jesus, it's the same gospel that then the assumption is that we have the same commitment, whether right. God forbid any of us are in any of those situations in our lives. You know, one of the things that people forget today, and I think there's a generation today that just doesn't understand that there's a one time in American history where churches, houses of worship were just sacred places, that you just, there was something eternally, you know, blasphemous that even non faithful people understood that you just don't go to a church. You just never know. And this, what happened in 2015 at um, the church, the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, Charleston um, South Carolina, is one of those things that just um, shocked the psyche, I think, of all of us because it was a church. Uh, Sharonda Coleman Singleton was one of the Charleston Nine um, murdered by this 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 young white kid who just went in and just want, just killed them. And what kind of evil, what kind of spiritual evil is at work in this world that that kind of thing happens? And people kind of start now are getting used to people attacking churches. Yeah, I, I you know, we by the way, we made the decision in, in the new book of Christian Martyrs that that we we actually included that story in our book. You know, and I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget, you know, hearing uh, her son um, or reading it. I don't know if I heard it or I read it where where he, he, he said something like that, that love is stronger than hate. And if we just all had the love that my mom had, yeah. then the hate in our world would be nowhere close to where to where the love to where the love is. And I and I, I think. Now that that story, the story story of Mother Manuel, or the story of um, uh, of uh, um, you know Kayla Mueller, you know leaving from Arizona to go over to the to the Middle East to to you know try to try to help people in the Syrian refugee crisis, mm-hmm. like, like all of these all of these stories are stories that we have to tell again and again and again to our our Christian our Christian communities. Because if we don't teach our children these stories, and if our churches don't talk about these stories, then the culture is just gonna 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 run amok. And and unfortunately, we are we are really living in an era in the United States of America where not only is the church no longer the sacred place that it was, but the church is being being targeted. I, I never thought I would I would see the day in, in the United States when the press secretary or the president of the United States, Democrat or Republican, would be asked on on its face 
whether it would be a hate crime if the manifesto of the killer of those of those Christians in, in, in Tennessee at that at that Christian school, whether whether it was a hate crime, if it says in the manifesto that Christians are being targeted and the press secretary of the president of the United States refuses to answer the question. Wow. I mean, this is a this is an indication of where things are. But I also want to say to everyone Lord, that as Christians, it, I hope this changes in the United States. I yeah. hope we're not like this. You know, I hope my children don't grow up in this world like this. Well, it takes it takes but, Christians being Christians and really standing to their faith. I mean, th- I think you're right. We're at a crucial point today where, you know, you can't be nominal Christians anymore. You really can't. I mean, it, you're, at some point, you're going to be asked to decide, you know. And, and that's also a Christian, that's a Christian thing to do. And, I, and I, I reject this this form of Christianity, which says, you know, that we, we should just, you know, be, be, be everything to everyone and, and, and you know, always in, in an attempt to preserve our testimony, we, we hide who we are. That's not Christianity. You know, and for 2000 years of Christian history, Christians have been persecuted. And and I I don't think Christians in America today should think that they're not going to be persecuted. And if you're going to wake up every day and decide who you are or what you believe or what you're going to do with your life based upon whether it's controversial or not. Yeah, that's not a Christian thing to do. I mean, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia that if, if you're going to serve Jesus, you can't care about the opinions of people. It's either true or isn't isn't true. And I think we need to teach our kids that the highest goal is is not to uh, you know not to just go along to get along, but the, right. but but the expectation is if you follow Jesus, they crucified him. He was despised and rejected. Why should we expect anything else? In fact, the the thing that isn't compassionate is to hide what you believe in order to keep a little criticism away. It is the opposite of compassion, and it isn't the story of Christian history. Right. I mean, the thing I, you know, this is, I mean, you've probably told this story before, and I've heard this story before from theologians. If you believe that following Jesus will save your life and your eternal soul, like this is the equivalent of someone in drowning in the ocean, and then you refused to throw a lifesaver to that person. That's the equivalent of saying, I'm not going to tell you about Jesus. That's really the equivalent of it. If you really believe that this is going to save your soul, right? Our our churches aren't teaching it, and and our, our, our children aren't learning it. And, you know, this, and, and for so many years in history, so many years of Christian history, the way you learn this was you told the stories of the Christians that came before you. Yeah. And you lived in a community that was that was experiencing the cost of Christianity. And I'm I'm just afraid that we are we are selling a form of as the Bible says, we're selling a form of godliness with with no power. And the forces of darkness love that. They have no problem with Christians just walking around and going along to get along and Right. The, the problem is when you stand up for what you believe, and Christians believe in grace and mercy, but we also believe in justice. And and it is an incredibly righteous thing to do to fight for the truth and to fight for justice you, using the systems that are available available to us in, in our, our democracy, which is a gift from God to us. Uh, but but 
but it is not a compassionate thing to do to hide use the old kid song to hide your light under under a bushel it may mean you don't believe it at all wow you know you talk about the difference between hate and love and one of the things that um is hate is it's all about sacrifice really i mean both hate and love hate demands that someone else sacrifice for it right that's hate love then says, I will sacrifice for you. You know, that's what love is. I mean, somehow the sacrificial element is always part of that scenario. Um, I can't, uh, you know, we could go on forever talking about this, Johnny, because this is just so important in terms of understanding, you know, what you believe and who and how you're willing to stand up for your faith. Um, in the, in the first rule, Lauren, I think of Christianity in, in terms of living your Christian life is self-sacrifice. Yeah. But, the, but the, fir- the first rule of our culture is self-preservation. Yeah. And one of the reasons why we have the America that we have is because we have a country that was built on these Judeo-Christian Christian ideas. And it is no coincidence that as we watch the fraying of so many things about our incredible country that we're also watching a a shallow Christianity, you know, that that refuses to represent the Bible. But the but when the two intersect, um, it involves sacrifice, it involves marginalization, it involves persecution, and there are thousands of years of history of Christians who are willing to stand up and say, "I will, I will, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God into salvation." And they're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to step up for the. They're willing to do what Jesus did, you know, to 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 stand up and to take the blow to save the entire entire world. And some Christians had a premonition of this. You know, there, there's one story um, that we wrote about of a Christian missionary who served the poor in Iraq, mm-hmm. and her, her car was gunned down. She and three of her colleagues died. But before she left for Iraq. She left a letter in a sealed envelope with her pastor to only open in the event of her of her of her death. And you know, when you read that that letter, which we which we re- recorded, you know, it it shows like she almost had a premonition. Mm. But it wasn't that she had a premonition only; it's that she knew the cost of what she was choosing to do. She had counted that cost, and she was investing her life. And whether you're in free America with the First Amendment that, you know, more often than not protects us, or whether you're in communist China or North Korea or in a in a two doors down from a someone you think is a terrorist in West Africa, we as Christians should count the cost first and then choose to live our lives and believe. Yeah. Johnny Moore, the book is called The New Book of Christian Martyrs, The Heroes of Our Faith from the First Century to the 21st Century. Great book. I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you, Lauren, for having me. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.